Prepare to be captivated by the business story of the week, hosted by me, Shaheen Shan. Join us on a journey through the twists and turns of entrepreneurial triumphs and setbacks. Immerse yourself in the narrative and witness the magic that turns dreams into reality. This is Business Story of the Week. And we are back. Once again, this is your co-host, Joshua, here on Business Story of the Week, where we navigate the world of entrepreneurship, business, innovation, uncovering stories of perseverance, struggle, and success. And today, ladies and gentlemen, is a one for the books, like one for innovations. And today we have a guest, a former U.S. presidential candidate, and I cannot wait for him to share as his story. Zoltan Isman is a prominent futurist. He is a transhumanist leader and is known for his 2016 U.S. presidential run as a candidate under his own transhumanist party. His best-selling book, The Transhumanist Wager, is an award-winning novel and where he began actively promoting transhumanism and other futurist ideas or issues via speeches, media interviews, activism, and his own writings. Isvan is a global leader in radical science, combining technology and philosophy to envision humanity's future. With his experience spanning from journalism at National Geographic, nonprofit work, consulting for government and private entities, he has spearheaded the efforts for transhumanism as a thriving global phenomenon. His ideas, his innovative ideas extend from AI Day or quantum archaeology or the transhumanist Olympics. Uh, Isvan is also an accomplished athlete, of course, credited with inventing the extreme sport of volcano boarding. We need to talk a little bit about that. <laughs> He's also, of course, a self-made entrepreneur and currently resides with his family in San Francisco. Um, Mr. Zoltan Isvan, I need no longer introduction than that for you. How are you doing? Thank you for gracing us with your presence today. Well, thank you so much for having me. That's awesome. Um, I, I really like to get into this. There's, there's obviously a lot of um, uh, a lot of stuff to unravel there that I'd like to talk about. We might not be able to cover all of them, but I like I always like to start with the beginning, and I always like to start where your focus is currently, which is the transhumanist vision. As as a leading voice in this, if if not the leading voice, right? How, where did this vision start? Why, 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 how did you go from being a journalist in National Geographic and then to being this futurist and um, forwarding this human enhancement, you know, extension technologies? How did you get from there to here today? Sure. Well, you know, to begin with, um, a lot of, I was a young journalist in National Geographic and a lot of young journalists cover war zones because, that's uh -huh. where uh, you can make a name for yourself if you want to be a journalist. And it's also where a lot of people don't want to be. So if yes. there are journalist openings, a lot of times you can get into a war zone um, because uh, not that many people want to go there. Um, so I began covering a lot of conflicts. And um, one of the conflicts that I was covering that, you know, for a long time was the Pakistan, India, uh, Kashmir conflict. Um, but 
what happened is later after that story, I went to Vietnam and covered the story. And even though it's not a conflict there, it was about the bombs from Vietnam War mm -hmm. uh, in the 70s, 60s that was left over. And I had mm -hmm. a very close call with a landmine uh, oh, wow. that didn't explode, but I almost stepped on. And after that, I really started thinking about my life. Like, wow, what does it mean to be alive? Is there wow. a way to stop death? These kinds mm -hmm. of things. And um, that led me to looking into if there was anybody trying to stop death. And lo and behold, a, a movement called transhumanism was already trying to stop death with science uh, for mm -hmm. human beings. And, uh, mm -hmm. and I immediately was uh, enthralled with it. And so, uh, you know, mm -hmm. over the years, I've been promoting it. I wrote a novel about it. The novel launched my public career. And eventually I ran for president under that uh, banner, the transhumanism banner, uh, really science and radical technology. And it kind of mm -hmm. launched me to the public sphere. So that's how I went from National Geographic to being a, a sort of voice in transhumanism. So allow me the opportunity to unravel the transhumanism. Uh, what I have read, at least correct me if I'm mistaken, to simplify it, it's like solving aging and death. And I think that was one of the things that you put up in your platform and your presidential run is to have policies that forwarded to solve this aging in 15 to 20 years. I can only imagine what that kind of policies, you know, how that felt towards the public and what it felt like running in the, under that kind of platform. And while you unravel this concept of transhumanism for us, um, tell us about a little bit about that background when it comes to what it, what was it like running for the U.S. as a U.S. president? Sure. Well, you know, when you run as a third party candidate in the United States, you really can't win. However, you can make a media spectacle. Mm -hmm. And that was really the goal, because just so you know, your listeners know it, it takes 25 to 30 million dollars just to get on the ballots in the wow. various states, the United States. So unless you have a 30 million dollar budget, uh, and that's just to get on the ballots. That's not actually any, wow. any promotion of your campaign. You really can't win or even have a shot at winning. But you can get a lot of coverage, media coverage. And so we were, you know, my team and I were the very first kind of science team running a presidential mm -hmm. candidate as a science endeavor, the yes. scientific method being our main kind of idea. Like we would solve things through logic, reason, rationality. But, you yes. know, my main platform, especially for getting people to live a lot longer, was to take a lot of money from um, the military, the defense, and put that money into people's health care. Now, I don't mean into healthcare right. systems that, like, take care of you. I mean into cures for cancer, cures yes. for Alzheimer's, yes. uh, cures for diabetes, especially in America uh -huh. where we have an explosion of it, you know, taking people's lives. Uh, so mm -hmm. my idea was, why should we be starting far off wars when we have a war of cancer, yes. Alzheimer's, diabetes at home? So that was yes. my main platform. And it resonated very much with many individuals. And while I had no chance really of winning the presidency, or at least not much, um, mm -hmm. we made a huge dent. And I think we trafficked fifth overall in terms of media coverage and in the end, uh, pretty close to that in votes. That's that's really a great look, you know, because one of the details I want to put out there is like you said, you made a big dent. Um, you are the only presidential candidate ever to be interviewed by the mega underground group Anonymous. And I think that's that speaks to the kind of platform and the kind of uh, policies that you were trying to push. And when it comes really to transhumanism, my question, I guess, is what are the leading innovations right now? Like what how do you see it being pushed right now and is it really possible to solve aging the next 15 to 20 years how possible is that 
Well, 15 to 20 years is, is a tough one. Um, yes. I would say if you extended that out to 20 to 35 years, we have a much better chance of solving aging. Um, unfortunately, what's happened is after my campaign did very well and hundreds of millions of people learned about the idea that it's possible to overcome death. The problem, I think, in many ways is a lot of people don't believe that this is possible. They don't believe that human beings can do this. And I kind of argue that the human being is a machine. It's like an old car. If you can fix that old car, you can get people to um, live longer. And you you see this in the Olympics. You know, every single time we have an Olympics, brand new world records are born because athletes keep getting better at training and they keep getting better at eating. They keep being better at being healthy. So we can keep getting better. And I think what's going to happen here is maybe in the next 10 to 20 years, you're going to see some huge results because in the last five years, Many billions of dollars have flowed in. So when I was running for president, there was only the, the, the it, longevity industry was a five billion dollar industry. Right. Today, the longevity industry is 150 to 200 billion. So oh, the amount God. of money pouring into the researchers and the scientists has gone up thousand, you know, thousand mm-hmm. percent or more. Mm-hmm. So we should start seeing the results of that in the next five to 10 to 15 years. And then I think more and more people are going to join the crusade. And, you know, that could become a trillion dollars going towards extreme longevity in the next wow. 10, 15 years. Once that happens, you will see results because unfortunately, whether you like it or not, science is really a matter of money. If we put the money into the science, we will see results. But if we don't have many researchers, so we need to triple, quadruple the amount of researchers and scientists working on on this problem. Yes, absolutely. That is a mind-blowing fact, by the way. This is like a, a perspective that kind of broadens it because um, $150 billion in the longevity industry. And of course, it makes sense that it's going to blow up like that because people don't want to die. And the concept of aging and solving death isn't really that far off if you think about it it's not in, it's not in the realm of of possibilities or outside the realm of possibilities so to speak we can definitely it's something that we can definitely solve and i love how you said that um it we need to put in the money of course before we start solving things that's why there are leaders like you who are pushing these voices um I really just kind of want to dig in a little bit on that. And uh, just, is there any particular technology right now that is standing out for you? I want to talk about that a bit more. Anything one or two that stands out that you think is going to be pushed? Because we're talking, you talked about nutrition, science nutrition, that at least getting better. What are the more advancements that we need to look out for? Sure. Well, still, uh, you know, unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, but the, the best one you can do to live longer is just to eat healthier and exercise all the time and, and, and you know, and, and keep your body in good shape. But the transhumanist ones that are coming down the pipeline, I may run through them real quickly. There's some crazy ones. So, you know, the, uh, I, most people die from organ failure. So if you yes. can 3D print organs or at least have transplants, there's not enough transplants out there. So you really need to have 3D printing of organs. Um, mm-hmm. You can... Um, solve death. For example, unfortunately, my father passed away from heart failure six years ago. But had we had a 3D printed heart, and they are working on these right now, mm-hmm. artificial hearts, we may be able, have been able to keep him alive longer. Now, that's one way, 3D printing organs. So when you die from organ failure, you don't actually die. Another way 
would be through genetic editing. And this might actually hold the biggest promise. Yeah. The idea that you can like adjust your cells, you can change your cells just by yes. introducing shots. And so a lot of money mm -hmm. is going into this one. This is probably, my money is on this one right now. And of course there are also far off ways, you know, weird ways are, for example, we would upload our mind to a, a computer and there yes. you have a clone of yourself in, in the virtual world, but it still mm -hmm. would be you in all every, you know, all the algorithms It takes perfect scans of your brains, of your neurons, mm -hmm. of your subatomic matter, and basically uploads it just like it was and has a program where it can run it. That's another way of immortality. But, you know, I think a lot, most of us transhumanists would like to stay in our flesh and just be able to rejuvenate our biology and stay mm -hmm. that way. And maybe sometimes go into the clouds with our minds, like Elon yeah. Musk is working with Neuralink. But I think uh, right now, you know, the, the money is on staying uh, as a biological entity and, yes. um, and just learning how to re essentially re-engineer our biology and yes. re reverse our aging process so that we might stay healthy at age 35 forever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that the way you put that, staying our biological machinery, so to speak, right? And there, it, it, again, that's what makes it not out, not inside the realm of possibilities. It's totally possible, especially that we can take care of our bodies, we can uh, extend it longer. Um, of course, there's CRISPR as well, right? With the, our genetic editing, um, we can we can really make designer babies, so to speak, now who could probably live longer. And and of course, it makes sense that money is pouring into this. And I I really love that there is a real movement behind it. How did it seem like when you were running for president, like talking about this? What did it look like among all the all the other candidates? What what was the well, you know, we knew the feedback, but what did it look like for for your end? Well, you know, of course, it was met with a lot of joking by the public, but the media, thankfully, and some of the intellectuals and some of mm -hmm. the, you know, academics out there really was like, wait a sec, is this guy just 10 years ahead of his time? And lo and behold, it sort of turns out that I was. And so what happened is it it spurred this my presidential run, which was, you know, we had the New York Times embedded with us. We had Der Spiegel from Germany. We had the Telegraph from England. I mean, we had many, we had so much coverage. It was great. And we, we drove a, a giant bus across the country. The bus was uh, a coffin bus and 40 foot coffin bus. And, um, and, uh, and what happened is at first it was sort of a little bit of a, a jest, a joke, uh -huh. but it started, people started thinking about it, thinking, wait a sec, if he's right, and in 10, 20, 30 years, we're going to overcome death, what does that mean for society? And all of a sudden, people start thinking, well, this is great, then I don't have to say goodbye to my parents, because they may not die. I don't have to say goodbye to my child who's dying from leukemia. There are all these reasons that you actually would want to live indefinitely. And plus, the world's becoming fascinating. We're starting to have all the, the space travel. And I mean, we can get off planet in maybe 2030. So it's an exciting time to be alive. It, is, it, it would is. be sad to miss you know, the Star Trek era, which is essentially where we're going to. So I think a lot of people started saying, well, this is a, a strange and funny campaign. There's something deep down to it that that is real. And, uh, you know, 10 years later, um, while I might run again in 2028 or something, um, I think the I think the the reception of a presidential run like that will be received much more realistically. Like it's not so funny. There's now hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars going into this, and it's really just a matter of time before we have yes. figure out how to end aging. So, what's uh -huh. the world like after that? Uh huh. You definitely have my vote, Mr. Isvan. If you do run <laughs> back you. again, 
28, if I can vote in the U.S., of course. <laughs> For our audience and listeners out there, Mr. Esvan was talking about the immortality bus. And you covered that in uh, a, a cross-American tour. You called it immortality or bust, which was pretty fun and clever. And um, I, I love that. I love that this is, I think, is a sound How do you call this? It's a sound platform for the future. And it's definitely something that is worth speaking about right now. And um, right now, you mentioned um, the implications of solving death in the next 10 years and being alive. What a time to be alive. I agree with that. But being alive further on to experience all these advancements and all these things that's happening. But tell me. With your background in philosophy, of course, there are these implications, right? This ethical, perhaps moral implications of a long life and this rapid technological advancement. What do you see are things that we need to look out for? And what do you think will be our major challenge and hurdles when it comes to this, you know, like futurism, like you are the futurist. And if there is anything to to watch out for when it comes to ethics and morals with AI and genetic engineering. What are those and how can we prepare for them? Well, I think the the 800 pound gorilla right now is AI. You know, what happened was when I was running for president, um, AI and genetic editing and all the other life life sciences were all kind of the same graph. And then what happens is uh, we thought, okay, like 10 years, 15 years, you will be able to maybe solve death and AI, maybe 10, 15 years will be as smart as us. And what happened is AI did this. AI, like all of a sudden took a, a quantum leap and went five to seven years ahead of every other field, just out of the blue with chat GPT. Yes. And so now we're like, wait a sec, maybe the real existential threat on planet earth is artificial intelligence. And mm-hmm. maybe the real transformative technology is that maybe it will help us live indefinitely, or maybe it will turn against us if it becomes mm-hmm. smart enough and doesn't like us hurting the planet or something like that. It's mm-hmm. hard to know. So I would say the first and primer, uh, primary primary uh, you know, problem right now on planet Earth is this fact that artificial intelligence is evolving so quickly. There's yes. very little regulation in place. There's a uh-huh. ton of money chasing it. Uh-huh. <clears throat> and um, I hope we don't overextend ourselves into this technology that really is beyond our control, yes. an intelligence that's smarter than us. And yes. um, so, so that is really the big threat. But there is also this chance that in the meantime, AI will help us develop brand new drugs and de- brand new means to achieve extreme longevity. And I got to say, like, you know, it's going to be a very interesting world if you didn't have to worry about death or I mean, you always have to worry about death. Even if you yeah. if you explode in a space shuttle, there's really no way to reconstitute you back. But mm-hmm. we probably will have cures for cancer. We probably will have ways to reverse aging. We probably will have ways to keep you young and healthy. So mm-hmm. if what do you do? And, and that would put a tremendous amount of pressure on economics. Because, yes. you know, if everyone lives forever, then all of a sudden there's no retirement. <laughs> do you, but maybe okay. that'll be great for innovation because a person would then get four or five PhDs and do mm-hmm. five or six jobs mm-hmm. over mm-hmm. 500 years. And, you know, there, there could be a huge amount of innovation that happens. So uh, it's hard to say exactly what the world's going to be like. Yeah. But I can tell you that if we're not careful, AI could become the, the, the kind of the emperor of all yeah. existence. And we have to be careful that humans don't get left out of the loop. That is, that is, um, I also want to point that out. Like, it's kind of like a danger and a fear that uh, corporates are controlling the biggest, you know, like especially AI right now. And we can't really trust them to put 
us as our as the first you know importance or a priority and all that but the way you describe everything it really is kind of like a future that is hard to envision until we're actually there but i guess with all these things that that is happening especially with ai that we need to be careful and hopefully we don't overstep our bounds before we even get to that kind of future um again i i i'm 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 particularly glad that there's a leader and a voice in front of this kind of movement. Um, I, I want to talk a bit about your book, The Transhumanist Wager. First of all, The Wager. What is The Wager and what is the influence behind this? What is the inspiration behind this? You were discussing, uh, in the book, you were you discussed future possibilities, like the ones that we've discussed just now. But what really inspired you to get to this, to write this? What is the core message and what do you hope leaders would take away from it? Sure. Well, I think the most, you know, the book is written basically based on Pascal's wager, this famous wager of a, of mm-hmm. a scientist, uh, I think 17th century, that, um, or, or 18th century, that um, said, listen, it, it's, they believed in God, and God should give you an afterlife. And mm-hmm. if you believe in God, you have a better chance getting to the afterlife than not. It's a very simple wager. Um, yeah. And, uh, but the transhumanist wager states that, wait a sec, we have another way to get to an afterlife or eternity. And that eternity is by using science and technology to achieve uh-huh. it. It actually doesn't even discount uh, Pascal's wager because you still might believe in God. And you still might get to life with God later. But in the meantime, the way to extend your life now from 100 uh-huh. years or 80 years could to a 5,000 years is through transhumanism, through that kind of science and technology. So do you dedicate all your energy and resources, such as I have, to uh-huh. promoting and to trying to build this industry so that people, you know, our age can still uh-huh. be alive. Mm-hmm. You know, at some point we're going to overcome death. It's really just a question of time, but I'm, yes. I'm 50 years old. Will it happen in the next 30 years before I have my heart attack? Like my father, that's the big question. So I have made a wager to try to put all my effort, resources, interviews, running for president, everything about it um, into trying to make it so that I can avoid death. And so can my wife and kids and friends mm-hmm. and family members and communities and nation and, and world. It really is immortality or bust. Yes, yes. And and I wanted to say immortality or bust, just so your listeners know, is the documentary that was made um, on Mm -hmm. my presidential campaign. So I took four months and started from San Mm -hmm. Francisco and delivered a transhumanist bill of rights to the U.S. Capitol. The transhumanist bill of rights has been published by Wired Magazine, so you can Google it and read it in full. But it was really Mm -hmm. about what is a future bill of rights for cyborgs, for people that are living indefinitely, for us under wow. weird human enhancements. But the, wow. a, docu- a feature documentary called Immortality or Bust was made. Um, in the United States, it's free on Amazon Prime. But in the around the world, anywhere, um, it's free on Plex TV. Just Google mm-hmm. either my name or Immortality or Bust. And I promise you, it's a fun 70 minutes. I got to warn you, though, my father dies in the documentary while I'm campaigning uh-huh. for immortality. So it is That's a tearjerker. Right. It's very sorry. It's very sad. Um, at the same mm-hmm. time, there's an uplifting message. You know, I have children and stuff like that you can see. Mm-hmm. So the cycle of life continues. But the point is, we're trying to stop that cycle of life because that cycle of life involves death. And the point yes. is, I don't want uh, my children to die. I don't want to die myself. I never wanted my father to die. So if we can, as a, as a, as a, as a, as a world, as a, as a, an earth, 
get the resources together to overcome death, we can do so. We just got to really think about it and then muster our resources and our scientists. And I promise you, we will one day achieve a moment when we don't have to worry about um, the, the very last moments and breaths of our life taking place. Wow. I am excited for this sci-fi future and even more excited knowing that there is actually a bill of rights that is written to prepare us for this kind of future. I think it's quite promising. Uh, it is also not guaranteed. I'm sure you, you also will agree to that, that we are quite a bit ways from that, but it's again, it's still within the realm of possibilities and it's still something to strive for. You know, um, I feel like we are quite there, you know, like, like you said, it isn't, it isn't, um, it isn't going to be a smooth ride, but we can do it. It's definitely possible. It's not a question of how or why, or it's a question of when we will, we yes. will get there. And I guess I think the most important factor right now is to stay our morals, stay our ethics, you know, stay with, stay our, you know, um, preparing for that kind of future. Um, Mr. Zoltan, this has been a fantastic kind of mind opening uh, interview with you. Um, you mentioned your Immortality or Bus documentary during your presidential run. You also have your transhumanist wager. I also want the audience to know uh, you published last year your Zoltan Isvan Futurist collection. I would love to, I will check that out myself. Seven volume box of all your popular opinion essays. Um, but what else is there? What else would you like the audience to know? Where can we find you? And what is the next step for Mr. Zoltan Isvan, for, apart from a 2028 possible presidential run again? Sure. Well, you know, um, so I, I think to begin with, you know, I'm just finishing my master's degree at the University of Oxford in philosophy. So uh, mm -hmm. and, and that's been kind of a setup for probably another political run. You know, it may not be the, the, uh, the presidency. Maybe this time it'll be for the governorship of California, which is changing right. uh, here in the next year. We'll see. You know, sometimes you run once to run again. And that's, it's yes. all, it's all, you know, that's how, how the political system works. But if you want to find me and follow me, you know, Twitter, uh, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook, I'm on LinkedIn. Those are my four me main media social outlets. We have one big thing that's coming out late mm -hmm. in June that's really big to me is I've been working with uh, somebody uh, his name's uh, Ben Murnane, Dr. Ben Murnane. He has a terminal disease, and he wants to write a book on transhumanism, and he chose to write a book about my life and my work, especially about the 2016 presidential run. Um, mm -hmm. And so I have a biography coming out by Dr. Ben Murnane um, in June 28th, and it should be out all over the world. And there's going to be – he found a great publisher and all these other things. So we're going to have a lot of you know book tours and celebrations on that. So if you see that book out, that's really going to be an in-depth um, biography on my life. It, 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 he, there, he, you know, he's, not, he's not exactly a fan. He just chose to write a biography. So it's, um, it's a very objective book. There are some things that I disagreed with in the book. But I think overall – the documentary too, Immortality or Bust. I disagreed with how they filmed parts of it. However, that's mm -hmm. what makes these artworks uh, really great is that they don't actually really? promote me. They, they sort of bash me to some extent, but mm -hmm. you get a real objective on the thing that I'm trying to do as well as where the transhumanism movement is. So this book called Transhuman Citizen, Zoltan Ishvan's Hunt for Immortality will be out June 20, uh, 28th. And that's one of my big things coming up this year with book tours and stuff. That is fantastic. I am looking forward to that. And for all the audience and listeners out there as well, you heard it here. 
definitely watch out for that. Check out all the things and all the other accomplishments and accolades that Mr. Zoltan Isvan has shared with us today. And your wisdom, of course. Thank you so much. And I, uh, again, once again, I think it is a future to look forward to. And I am glad that we have you at the forefront of it. Thanks so much for having me on. Fantastic. See you in the future. <laughs> Take care. All right. So here's the thing. We try to get a little bit better every day, but we can't do it without you. So if you like the video, make sure to like and subscribe below. And if you have any comments, just leave them in the space under.